Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Two Norries podcast. I am your host James and I'll join as always by my good friend Timmy Long. Hi everyone. Sean is on the light and sound. How are you Sean? Not too bad, how are you? I'm not too bad Sean, it's good to have you here. Kim Bartley yeah. is our guest, a filmmaker mm-hmm. that we were connected through John Connors, our friend up in Downdale. How are you keeping? I'm good, great to be here. Thanks for coming to the studio. You've made movies and I'm going to my uh, Simpsons pun. You might remember me from such movies as... The Unteachables with the, our good friends over in the Cork Life Centre. Yeah, that's oh. that was like, I don't know, that was probably three years ago now. So that I spent the year roughly up and down to Cork every few weeks. And yeah, it was great. I made a two-parter. And, and you've made a few documentaries around the themes that we touch on here. Yeah. Usually around social issues and health issues and stuff like that. That's it, yeah. A couple so around homelessness and addiction and stuff like that, yeah. yeah. So... Before we get into that, do you want to tell us, for the people that don't know where you're from? It's kind of a long story. I was born in Sweden and then I grew up in France, but I, I feel like I'm from Cork in lots of ways. <laughs> My dad's from Cork. And uh, so we would have come here on holidays when I was living in, in France. So like I went to a French school, spoke French outside the house and English at home with Interesting. a bit of a Cork accent back then, which is gone because I've lived in Dublin since I came to Ireland. But yeah, mm. so mix. Yeah, it's a bit of a traveller, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a dog, don't you? Do I? You do a little bit, yeah. I live in Wicklow now, so yeah, oh, there yeah. you go. Mix. I um, wouldn't have thought that. I was, I was, I couldn't put a finger on your accent, really. Yeah, it's uh, mix. It's changed over the years, like, but mm. yeah, but uh, yeah. Uh, how did you get into making the films with the content that you produce? Well, like, what was the motivation? You know, it was kind of pure chance in lots of ways, but I suppose I grew up with parents who were very socially conscious, so, you know, being brought to demonstrations and stuff like that as a kid. In France? Yeah, yeah, where they go out and march for the, yeah, like the drop the of a hat anyway. The so, yeah. so we grew up going to marches and then uh, just, I suppose, you know, spent Christmases, you know, volunteering in in shelters hand, giving out Christmas dinners as kids with my parents and stuff like that so I always grew up with mm. that kind of outlook I suppose and then I got into filmmaking by chance I didn't study it or anything and uh, and then I was just drawn to those themes and I suppose the beauty of documentaries if you do your job right I think it's a really powerful tool mm. and you can create empathy above mm. all and awareness awareness yeah. yeah awareness in a way that's not as kind of boring as it mm. would be if you were doing, doing through you know news or whatever it is mm. so it's a great it's a great I love I love my job and I love the fact that you can see the results you know you meet people after they've watched something and they kind of 
Yeah. So you said you, yeah. you got into it by accident. How did that happen? How did you become a filmmaker? Well, I ended up, I got a, I, I got interested in working in television program making, I suppose, and I got a job, unpaid job, as a runner in RTE w after I'd come to Ireland in my early 20s. And uh, one thing led to another. So I ended up being a researcher. And then the out of basically what happened was there was the in 98, there was the, the war in Kosovo. Mm. Digital cameras were dropped off in Turkey for the first time. We never had them before that, uh, you know, no yeah. phones, none of that. And uh, and there was a, phone, a, a camera sitting in a box in the office for months and no one was using it. And I was just kind of curious. Someone rang up. I was working the Pat Kenny show back then and someone rang up I think Concern rang up <laughs> and said uh, would 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 the show send someone to Kosovo so I just went yeah I'll take the camera didn't I to use it hit the road and that was it and that was it that got bitten by the bug so I was on the road then with Concern I left RT and worked for Concern for almost two years in their emergency response so if there was mm. a drought or you yeah. know response to war or that kind of thing i was there for a friend of myself yeah. and timmy's sheila Conley. she was our first guest mm -hmm. she's the she set up a charity for people that have been in prison called the cock alliance center but she worked for concern and she was in concern post genocide rwanda and congo and stuff mm -hmm. like that so she told us some mad stories as well so, you know what yeah. she witnessed but the resilience of the people but the traumas that they experienced what was kosovo like I, well, I ended up on the border. I couldn't get in, so I was on the border with Albania, mm. and it was. Um, because the Kosovo people are of Albanian ethnicity, most exactly, like the, the Muslim yeah. population. And they were all fleeing because there was. The persecution the, yeah, from the Serbs. Exactly, from the Serbs in the country, so they were fleeing. I went back years later to Kosovo, and I really enjoyed it actually, but at that time I was outside, and look, I'd never been to a kind of a, the edges of a war zone. I was a kid. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> looking at myself now as a kid and I really didn't have a clue what I was doing but what I was trying to do was meet people and spend a bit of time with them because there was clusters of like every journalist that was there was in the one spot and it was that kind of awful scenario that happens where like you know there's a book called Is There Anyone Here Who Was Raped and Speaks English written by a former war correspondent and mm. I saw that kind of happen, you know, like, oh, there's one here and everyone just descends and some poor yeah. soul has just walked for two days. So I was just trying to go around the, the refugee camps and spend a bit of time with people and get to know them a bit more and kind of get their stories across. And um, and I just fell in love with doing that because if someone wants to tell their story, mm. you're not sticking a camera in their face, you're giving them the time. And if they want to tell their story, then mm. I, at least I can do that you know what an introduction into journalism though yeah, <laughs> our, our media <laughs> you know go was, over the yeah. cost of all that was that was supposed to be one of the worst kind of wars yeah yeah so then and then after that there was a lot of other different ones that led me on to different things like i ended up in venezuela where there were these dreadful mudslides and over thirty thousand people died and it was the it, it, president chavez at the time i don't know if you mm, yeah. remember him it's a long time ago now i had just got in and that was like, I was just blown away by what was going on politically on the ground. It was a real mm. something happening, you know. So that was the first kind of real feature cinema documentary I made was I went back mm. and managed myself and Dunica O'Brien, who was filming with, we uh, spent a year in Venezuela and did this documentary about Chavez. 
and then he there was a coup. He brought in a socialist government, was it? He, yeah, he did after a, a, like year. I mean, look, it's a, it's a, an oil-rich country, which mm. means they're fucked, really. <laughs> Anyone yeah. who has oil, you're in for trouble, you know. So um, just a very small elite running the country and then an awful lot of poverty. And uh, he, um, yeah, so he was an interesting, a really interesting character. And then while we were there, there was a coup. We were in the p- presidential palace with him on the night that it happened. And I suppose that gave the documentary a lot of exposure at the time because mm. it was kind of like a real life mm. thriller, you know. Mm. Now, a lot, a lot, you know, that's 20, 20 something years ago, 2001, 23 years ago or something. Mm. So there's a lot of adrenaline pumping through your body in these when you're doing those things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's not like a regular day job, you know, it's an exciting job, I'd say. Yeah. Well, I don't do that kind of thing at all yeah. anymore. But at the time, yeah, and and it is. It's I can see how people kind of become addicted mm. to the buzz. Like you, you know, you meet a lot of people who do that for a living, and they, they've you know they've had five different husbands <laughs> or wives. They're drinking yeah. every night. It's you know, and it's kind of hard to get back to normal life when you come home because yeah. it's a bit like. Jesus, people are watching Coronation Street and this, I just saw people dying. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's yeah. hard to... So I'd say it's a tough old way to... It's a, Yeah, it's a buzz, but it's not, yeah, she did not in, healthy. In, in Ireland, yeah, for me, anyway, like Ukraine, for example, when that war began, there's a huge interest in it and it's on the news and you're catching up with it. But then it gets dra- it goes on mm-hmm. and then you just turn the channel and, and we zone out and we watch Man United or something. But the war is still going on and there's still people being destroyed and you know, being made refugees and stuff like that. And it's very hard to get your head around all that trauma. Yeah. Mm. I think it's natural for people to, to turn the channel and the war goes away. But it's hard to kind of put yourself in those people's shoes. I and think. Yeah, that's so true. And, and lately here in, in this country, we've taken a lot of refugees, yeah. you know, and we're... We can be very harsh at times, you know, mm-hmm. you know, because of, of, of we have to keep reminding people that there are people who are very, very traumatized. You, know, you can't forget that these people, uh, they're, they've just lost their home and everything that they ever loved, you know, within their home, their families. Some women have came here with their children, their husbands are back, they're fighting war. Some of their husbands are after dying. Like These people are really, really traumatized. The least we can do. We are a nation of of, of of carers. We we do care about people, you know, and we 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 should never lose that. Mm. No matter what else is going on, we should never lose that. And the way I look at it, this is my view on everything. Okay, I own nothing. Okay, I don't own this country. I'm an Irish man. I was born here. Doesn't give me the right to say I own this land. I don't own any part of it. You know, and I think if somebody from another part of the world wants to live here and go on the dole, I go to work. They have every right to do so. We're all human beings at the end of the day. I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, we've all all had our, you know, family members and who've who've had to leave Ireland and go elsewhere and who've signed on I in know. another country and yeah. everything else. Of course, of course. I like. I understand why you do hear occasionally you hear people kind of tiring of it because of the housing crisis we have and you you yeah. hear this kind of thing slipping in occasionally of like all oh, the mm. ukrainians are taking up all the yeah. homes are pushing up prices but like as you said 
Can you imagine losing your home, losing everything, having to leave, mm. Mm. having no idea what you're heading back to if you ever get back, mm. yeah. losing your, you and know. The thing is, we were fucked for housing before that war started. Of course we were, yeah. You know, and that's just the, yeah. the focus now can be put on Ukrainians, but if that Ukrainian war ended and all went home, we'd still be fucked for houses, like, so yeah. just, uh, but I watched a bit of your latest film. Oh, yeah. The two gay to a lesbian, a lesbian couple on a reservation in Idaho, Native Americans. Yeah, in Wyoming, yeah. Wyo yeah. Huge amount of trauma in the community. Now, we spoke to Dr. Gabamate previously on the podcast, and I put it to him around travelers in Ireland being overrepresented in prisons and, you know, uh, suicide figures and all the negative statistics that are associated with, you know, deprivation, racism, exclusion. Was the same for the Native American people, isn't it? Yeah. What, what, what did you witness over there? Well, you know, the, the first time I ever went to uh, na on, a, on a Native American reservation was with John, and the idea was we were doing this TV documentary series about um, about race in the the the, the whole. It was around Black Lives Black Black uh, Black Lives Matter. What was the in name the of the documentary? That was called. Um, what was it called? It was called Race Matters, I think. Will you Google that, Sean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think but it was it called Race Matters. People might get it on the RT It's on the player, I think. Yeah. Or, and if it's not on the player, I think it's also on my website. So if yeah. you just Google we'll the name, it'll pop up. link it in the description up. of the video, yeah. 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 yeah, it was called Race Matters. And we, so, you know, we were in Chicago kind of looking at African-American young people and what they're mm. dealing with. Um, and then we ended up on um, on a reservation in South Dakota. And I mean, John was, well, we were all blown away by the similarities with Traveller on, on so many levels, like mm. culturally, historically. And then, as you said, all the kind of the historical trauma and the, 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 the results today for people. And, you know, the Native Americans are amongst the poorest communities in the States. And I mean, the poverty in the U.S. is... You know, you think of America as being this big shiny thing, but mm. God, I've seen more poverty there than I've seen in other places, really. Or, or you know, just levels of poverty that are shocking. Um, so it was really, I mean, the, you know, everything, like you think of the residential schools here are, you know, travelers, the, the way they were treated by the education system, it's all pretty much the same, same. thing with Native American communities and the same. Same results then at the end of the day. Which was a lot of addiction. Yeah, a lot of addiction. representation in yeah. prison, lots of sexual abuse. Yeah. Violence and stuff like that. Yeah, all, all, all of that. I mean, one thing that's really interesting, uh, I found, I suppose, I think there's, I couldn't tell you how many Native Americans in the US, but I know there's over 500 tribes. So there's over 200 languages. And, but only, I think it's, I think it's only a third yeah, I think it's only a third of Native Americans live on reservations. And then the rest of them are in cities and mm. wherever. And I suppose through that, they tend to lose their, their culture. Whereas on the reservations, for all the problems and all the poverty and isolation and everything else, there's a real sense of, of culture we found. Now, it could be just the family we were with, you know, and, and the people around them. But uh, we know, you know, we saw it when we were there with John and I saw it again then in Wyoming. And therefore, people are trying to deal with their trauma or with any of, you know, mental health addiction through their own, in, in their own cultural ways. So, you know, having these 
sweats, for yeah. example, or they do, um, you know, there's a celebration of, of, the re of the culture on reservations every year and it's called a powwow and it's just a real coming together and sharing of dance and music mm. and it's, it's amazing. And it, and, and it was one thing that John felt as well that, it, you know, that's being lost. It, you know, there's a lot of people trying to hang on to that in traveller culture, but it's not, it's stronger over there, I'd mm. say, amongst Native Americans. When you think of the Native Americans, you, you go back to the cowboys and Indian films that we watched all our lives growing up. And while you were talking, something brought me back to something else. I was thinking of them and I was thinking of Native Americans before the white man went into America and how spiritual they were and laid back. You know, they went out, they hunted, they came back. It was all about family, the tribe, you know. War wasn't a thing unless whatever they had their differences back then, but they dealt with things in in different different ways, and how different mm. their way of life is now. Like w when you look at how hard done by they were by the white man, you know, because they came in, they took everything from them, you know, they ripped their tribes apart, and now they're. Like they're a really traumatized kind of, and did it like did yeah. a connection with nature as well, yeah. and like the land. No, like what you spoke mm. about there, you don't own any of the land, and this mm. is where they look at it as well. We don't own the land, and the land is like part of us. And I seen a I listened to a podcast with a Native American guy recently, and he talked about like you not know, a rock. Mm. The rock is a rock person, and the tree is a tree person, and they're all living things with inherent value. But then when the white man comes in and there are commodities to be divided and then sold and exploited, um, it's just a different way of looking at nature, isn't it? Yeah, and it's really, like, that's really still present amongst the people we were with on, on living on the reservation because the place we were was way out in the sticks, you know, it was like a eight-hour drive to get up there through nothing. Like, there was kind of two towns on, on that you'd drive through and then you get up there and, I mean, it's it was just beautiful beautiful place um but they hunt a lot but they hunt even the way they hunt look i don't know what hunters do here mm, <laughs> i've yeah. never been around it but over there obviously because of the poverty it makes sense for families to be allowed to get you know wh whatever they have an allowance so they're, they're given tags and they're allowed to get you know two deer or whatever yeah. it is so everyone starts hunting from a young age it's mainly men but the girl, the, my girls were <laughs> well. Charmaine was the the kind of person we made the documentary about. Was you know up there with her brothers hunting, and the whole attitude, the whole kind of the way they approach the animal before killing it. They kind of almost say this kind of prayer. There's chance. Then the animal is killed, and they pray over it, and they kind of thank it for mm -hmm. the meat that it's gonna give them and their family. So it, there is a really strong. Mm -hmm. Connection and there's with nothing nature. wasted. Nothing's wasted. Another thing that was on the documentary was the horse racing. So you no, know, like you have regular horse racing here, mm. but over there they do bareback and their wild horses. Oh, it's wild! It's that's like Gar Cullen back in the nineties. I know that's what it reminded me. Where we were the old council estates, you know, <laughs> yeah. breaking yeah. in horses. Know. Know well, I tell you, we kept saying to them like when I was over there with John and we were at the races, we were like we need to set up some kind of an exchange and get these lads over here mm. and racing with young fellas here who are used to bareback racing. Mm. It's unreal. I mean, they race at, 
Well, I suppose anyone does. I, I, I know nothing about horses and I'm kind of nervous mm. around them. So I had a yeah, real I mean, tough time filming this, yeah. but they're over 30 miles an hour. They're, they've no saddle. They're, they, they band their legs so that there's some kind of friction so that they can try and hang on with, the, with you know, mm. their lower legs. And then they just belt around and the race is over in a minute. Mm. But what they do is after one loop, they all exchange horses. So there's five horses and there's lads jumping from one horse to the other as they're running. So Jeez. they're at 30 miles an hour. There's a lad jumping from one to the next. And it's chaos. Like it's, it's, I find it re- I actually, it's unreal. It's just the most exciting, thrilling thing to see. I don't know if you saw it in the documentary. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. amazing. Something. Plus they're wearing their war bonnets, bonnets and yeah. the colours of their tribe. But it's also really hard. I find it really hard to watch because you're just... I mean, it's a bit like boxing. I, I love yeah. boxing, but my eyes are half open, half closed anytime I'm filming boxing because mm. you're just terrified. Mm. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But yeah. Sometimes it ended in disaster. Oh, there's been loads of disasters and there's no, none of this kind of health and safety or Mm. any of that. Like you just come along and you race and that's it. But they love it. Like Mm. in the film, you know, two members of her family were really, really messed up from accidents. Mm. And, you know, you kind of say to her, and you're still willing to get back up on that horse. And she's like, yeah, I know it's risk, but I just love it. And they keep at it. Mm. I tell you, I was like, I was nervous wreck standing, you know, <laughs> a few feet away with my camera. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they're, I suppose, they're brought up around it. Yeah, they, there's they nothing are. different. Like, yeah. They just look at it as a part of life. Yeah. But they also, like, yeah. again, it's, there's a historical link because they would have always used, th- that's where actually the relay racing, that's what it's called, the uh, Indian relay racing, came from when they would have been passing messages. For instance, when there were, you know, mm. back in the Cowboys and Indian days, but you could only go so far on the one horse. So they'd have spots where someone else would join with fresh horses and they mm. were racing because it was used in, in war or in battle. 
and they'd swap horses mid, you know, mm. in full flight up in the middle of the plains. It's amazing, really mm. incredible. You'd want to be fit and athletic for that kind of carry on. Seriously, fit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm ballsy. Yeah, you wouldn't see yeah. you, you wouldn't see us jumping from horse yeah. to horse up now, calling back and in the, the day. Is, like, like, there's <laughs> the person on the horse who just has to be. They usually they're usually younger and they kind of can spring up. Yeah. I, I was going to say out of the saddle. There's no saddle, mm. but then the lads that catch the horses, so they come in, and when they get on to a new horse there's a loose horse who's coming straight for you and this one guy called the catcher has to catch it and the horse is just galloping at him at you know 20 30 miles an hour and they just put their arms up and grab him it's, it's they just, unbelievable they just grab the horse they by the neck they just grab the horse by the neck <laughs> as it's racing towards them and stop it you're fearless it, like it's fearless, fearless. that's uh, mad i actually yeah that's mad to watch yeah. oh it's brilliant yeah but, uh, do you know in the traveler community being gay is a huge taboo yeah. What way is it over there? Well, it's funny because I expected it to be the same. Yeah. And I, look, I get, you know, I don't know. I'm not a researcher, but from my own experience of it, I would say that it is kind of accepted amongst women. It seemed to be, it, it, like, it, as in no one is shocked by it, but I met a number of men who I'd say were gay and they were married with families and weren't out. Mm. Maybe I was wrong, maybe they weren't, but... There was a sense that it wasn't acceptable amongst men, but it was kind of accepted amongst women. Would you think that has anything to do with the men being kind of the hierarchy of the the the, the kind of of the of the tribes, right? And men looking at women because porn stuff and looking at two women being together and they look at actually that's fine, but when it's two men, then it's 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 so different. Yeah, you know, because because it's 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 not really. From a man's perspective, yeah, it's yeah. Oh, they would have yeah. so okay for the women, but not the men. Probably, it's a strange, yeah, it's a strange thing, and I mean, it's it's not that people are running like it's not that, that the women yeah. are out, you know, waving rainbow flags or any yeah, of that. Yeah. It was, it's quite discreet, if you like. Yeah. But I just, I, d- you know, there was, I, I didn't meet on that res. I didn't meet any. Me- I did in other places. The a couple of lads who were out. But I'd say it's like it's you know it is a macho culture. Mm. It's the hunting and the mm. the racing and yeah. like she took part in all that as a lesbian woman. Yeah. She was the only girl. It was all men. Yeah. She was there because they all joke about the fact that she oh I call her my brother rather than my sister yeah. just because of her sexuality and just her whole mm. way the way she lives her life. But you know it is quite a, 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 a yeah. dominant culture. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, but I yeah. think I think in general I think across the board. Even here in Ireland, I think, uh, I think we it's looked upon that two women being together is, is different than two men being together. I, d- I don't know. Maybe we're getting an insight into what you think, Tim. I'm not. <laughs> probably. Way too much porn. Probably. But, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, there's probably a podcast in that. Why? Yeah. Why? Maybe it's more acceptable that or women is it? can be together and 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 men is is different you know for me on a personal level I, I, it's my belief that if someone wants to be with another person no matter what sex they are and they love that person go yeah. for it it's it's whatever you want to do with your own life i don't think anybody should tell you what to do but i hope to live your but life i think if you want if you if you want to be if you if you're happy and you're with a man or you're with a woman mm-hmm. or whatever and you want to be called him or her or they or he I think if you want to be happy, that's all. Mm. I, I, I don't like this fucking Jordan Peterson shit where, you know, oh, I'm not going to call them that because it's against my human rights, it's free speech and all that oh, shit, you know. Yeah. But that's getting huge traction in Ireland. 
Pete Jordan Peterson sold out the O2 there in Dublin last week. And he's very popular in Ireland at the moment. But I think he speaks to a specific audience. But what I what I think is that a lot of those audience don't mind listen to this too. What is his views, James? Just to he he makes his opinion sound like uh, academic fact or argument. Do you know what I mean? Mm, so okay. like, let's say he have an opinion on gay people, trans people, uh, people that don't believe in God and stuff like that. But he presents his argument in a way that sounds very convincing. Like oh, this okay, is a very okay. logical uh, uh, argument. And how can you argue against him? Because he is a very intelligent man. He's yeah. he's a professor of psychology, but he and he is he does make some good arguments in his psychology side of things. But he's moved into a space nowhere that's very conservative, and it's aimed at at men that would probably be vulnerable of feeling a bit disenfranchised, and then it kind of pits them against. Um, trans people or gay people or people uh, lefties who we would be considered lefties mm-hmm. because we, we speak about social issues from the perspective of the oppressed mm-hmm. do you know what I mean so we probably be labelled as woke lefties look at them with our woke podcast and what do they know do you know what I mean am yeah. I articulating that I think so I mean yeah. it's just live yeah. and let live is, is the thing that's, that's, that's what I was just yeah. going to say I, I, I was just going to say that I, I don't think I think what we do here is just we, we, we bring a bit of humanity to the table and we talk about issues where we have compassion and empathy for everyone that's across from us and everybody that's listening and I think that's what we are. Yeah. I don't you know, I, I, I know nothing about this Jordan Pearson for that he could be a, yeah. a great genius for all I know, like but at the end of the day it boils down to one thing. You live your life, I live mine whatever way you want to live it without harming or hurting another human being. Exactly. That's it. And if you have a platform, don't use that platform to keep others down. Yeah. Well, it's a bit like I was saying about documentaries, what you do is the same thing. Like you can, I think, like I, I always think that kind of hate comes out of ignorance and lack of actually knowing someone. Mm. Like, how, you know, if you, if you get to know someone, it's, it, and it's the same thing with addiction. I've always thought, you know, the way people might walk past someone in the street and they won't even look them in the eye or they'll mm. just use words like junkie or that kind of dehumanizing mm. language. And if they got to know someone, that could be your son or daughter. You yeah. know what I mean? It's about, it's about, we're, at the end of the day, we're all, we're all, we're all different, but we're all the same. We're all human. Mm. Exactly. And we and all want the same things, the exactly. pursuit of happiness and you know, to be free. So if you don't like trans or you don't like whatever it is, then just let people be. But why do you have to go out and campaign against them? Exactly. It's insane. Or even bring up conversation about them. You know, yeah. we're, we're, we're basically all you're really doing is feeding your own ego and drawing more attention on yourself, which is feeding your ego. Well, you're you're talking about somebody else, and their you, your belief of their difference to what you are, your understanding is that you might be fucking right or wrong or perfect or whatever it may be, but at the end of the day, as you said, there just leave them off, yeah. leave them off, and leave them live their life, and leave them fucking leave the two girls go on their horses and leave them go jocking and fucking you know whatever, or leave the two boys and. It, we live in funny times though don't we because you, you kind of think I, and I look god I sound like I could be my own great grandmother saying meant, this but like yeah. you just think I, <laughs> if I had to for all the great things that have come from the internet which you know my life changed as a filmmaker because mm. of the access and research and contacting people and all that kind of stuff yes. 
but God, life was a lot simpler before it. For all the good, I actually yeah. think it's just brought everything to such an extreme. You know, it's. Yeah. Anyway. Do you think making so many different documentaries about so many different issues has really made you look at life and the way of the world so much differently and have com- more compassion and, and empathy for people? I hope so. I mean, I think that, I, like, I think I'm really privileged because, you know, how often do you get to spend loads of time with someone from a world that's completely alien to your own world it's not Mm. something you get to do a whole lot you know Mm. and I from documentary to documentary I can kind of completely immerse myself in someone else's life and their issues or whatever it is and I mean I always end up always end up staying friendly with whoever I filmed with because you go through an experience together and you know it's definitely been an like I've been so lucky Mm. um but that's never my need. My goal is that through the documentaries, you bring other people on board and open mm. up their eyes and they get to experience a world that they might not see, you know, whether it's Native Americans or yeah. something else that they kind of get a window into a world that they wouldn't mm. otherwise, you know. It's the exact same thing as we do here every week. Yeah. We just give other people's stories. Just give them a platform, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and they share them. And what it does then is it makes people's mind think so they start thinking about people's lives and how they they grew up and what happened in their lives and maybe addiction and mental health issues mm. and what happens then they'll start looking at them and say you know poor soul and there's me thinking that every person that's begging on the street is a bad person or on drugs they're bad no i know like they just probably had a lot of traumatic experiences when they're young and they probably can't deal with that experience and the trauma and they need drink and drugs to soothe them, mm-hmm. you know, self-medicate. And um, that's what I know. Do you know what? I'm going to look at them differently. Mm. I'm going to look at them differently. And when I see somebody on the streets begging next time, do you know what? I'm going to stop and ask them, they all right. Or do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give them a fiver or a tenner. And do you know what? They probably will go away and get drugs, but... They're going to get up off the floor for a half an hour, an hour, and they won't have to sit there full of shame, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's the way I look at it. Mm. You're getting somebody up off the floor. I don't look at it as, I know straight away that they're going to go off and spend money on whatever they want. So what? So what? Don't put a condition, don't put a condition on the money that you're giving them. You're either going to give it or you're not. Don't put a condition on it. If If it's drugs they need before food, they need it. And if you're making their life just that you little know? bit easier for those five yeah. minutes or whatever, isn't that what you're doing by giving exactly, them something? Yeah. Should be one, you and know. that is the reality yeah. of it. Yeah. That is mm-hmm. actually how it genuinely works. Mm. You know, They're yeah. not sponging off us or anything like that. They're just people that just need that extra bit of help. What was it like filming over in the Life Centre? Cork Life Centre. Oh, like it was a joy. I mean, look, my l- I never really think of my job as, a, as work. <laughs> And the life center was just amazing. It was brilliant. I mean, you know, Don and Rachel and Thomas, who's now left, I think. Yeah. Um, and everyone there. It was, it was, and the kids were brilliant. We you had know? a couple of them in the studio a few weeks ago. I heard now. them. I listened to them. And Amber I know them, Lee. Amber and Lee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, both of them really good kids. And they, you know, they've all, look, they're all grown up now. The ones I knew, it's gas. But um, yeah. or w- there was a young one, Emily, who was in that she's doing her leave insert this year. But yeah, look, the, the life center is should be copied all over the country it's yeah. just 
amazing and that and that's like that's pure um connection isn't it like well, the way they connect making with people. a film with, with children or vulnerable people excluded people does it take time for it to build trust you have to build trust with them first or how does it work yeah well it's, it's everything is trust mm. do you know what i mean and i think that's just you can't make it oh, i mean you, look that you hear horror stories in the media all the time of people lying to people to get them to talk or whatever mm. um unfortunately and it makes it very difficult when you're coming up behind that if you're yeah. if you have a different approach but i think you just spend time with people and they either click with you or they don't you know i mean i couldn't film with someone mm. if they didn't click with me and if they didn't trust me and i suppose mm. i think it's always really important to say to people and it's always a huge risk from you know f- as a documentary maker but if you say to someone you know you tr- if you trust me with your story then also if you change your mind mm. or something you know things happen in life something goes completely changes in your life between now and when the program has gone out mm. you tell me and I'll take it out and obviously that'll completely screw me if I'm in the edit and whatever yeah. but I, I, it's, it's only the, television it's, thing do, it's only it? documentary yeah. at the end yeah. of the day it's your life yeah. so I think I, I think I just you always put the people you're filming with ahead of the final yeah. product you, can't, you have to we do that here as well like we always give people a copy of the video and if they're happy with it, we'll go ahead with it. If there's anything in it they don't like, we'll take out. But they have full editorial control over what goes out. I think that safety net is important. Mm. And it's not about, like, it might be great for ratings, but it wouldn't sit with us no. because that's not what we're about. No. It's ha- it has to be ethical. Otherwise, you're not going to feel good about it. Yeah. So when we put something out, it's after being screened by the individual. And they're happy with it, we're happy with it, and then everybody else is happy with it. And there's been times where we've recorded and it hasn't gone out because they told us they didn't want it to go out. Or mm. they, we've, like we recorded one there a few weeks ago, but there's a court case after happening now, so we'll hold that now until January. It's a great podcast, but she wants us to hold it, so we'll hold it. And that's the way you should be, because then mm. you, can, you can't take no shit down the line then. So yeah. we actually did everything ethically and the way it was supposed to be done mm. yeah and it's, that's all yeah. about respect and I mean it's, like in the case of the Life Centre for example you know there were kids there that had issues in their lives ongoing that you know they talked to, to us about or whatever but you have to just be mindful of, of people's circumstances and they're young as well and you just need to know that they might in three years time look back at the documentary and go oh God, I didn't want the whole world to know that. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's times where even someone might say, I want you to do this, but you kind of have to say, look, I, you know, I've been in the business long enough. Mm. Think about it and be sure because, mm. you know, and I mean, mm. I spo- especially with young people, I think now everyone is so used to sharing online that people are, are you know, very open, but it's not always the right thing to do. Yeah. Sometimes it might be the right thing to and do. And we've had to make a few decisions like that mm. in the past yeah. where we've had to make the decision not to person, mm. not yeah. to put it out. And that was to protect them. Yeah. yeah. Not me and James because it's the right thing to do yeah. and we completely relate to that. Uh, we did one in, uh, with a prisoner, a Lithuanian guy. I'm, I'm in the middle of recording. I know this is not going to go to air on air because he didn't really know what he was getting himself in for. Mm. and he said things on the podcast that he probably shouldn't have he thought that he was going to go be able to go back to his job his boss wouldn't know he was inside 
It was like, yeah. you actually, actually didn't even know what we were doing or anything. Mm. So mm. we recorded it and we just deleted it afterwards. Yeah. Because it wouldn't have been right. No, fair play. Because I think that's mm. it. Like you do, I mean, you can, in some circumstances, be dealing with people who are vulnerable and therefore mightn't have thought something through. Yeah. And then you've the other, like, I mean, if he's sitting in prison, you're probably so bored you'd agree to do anything, wouldn't you? I like know. And then you do <laughs> what you think will help you to get out sooner, do you know what I mean? Exactly. Whereas, Whereas it'll actually have the opposite effect yeah. when you're up in court or whatever, What's yeah. What's the name of the movie? What's the name of the film that's coming out soon? Oh, the this one's called Pure Grit. So a twist on the cowboy True Grit, so yeah. it's Pure Grit, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. where can people access it? Well, it's opening in court. It's opening across the country on the 30th of September. And I think it'll be the Gate Cinema in Cork, but that's to be confirmed. And then they just let me know today to say that it's on the Triscoll uh, for four days, October 23rd to 27th. So How long is, is it a full film? It's a full film, an hour yeah. And a half, is so it? it's an hour and a half, an hour and 20 or 25, something like mm. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, Sounds good. No, no, it's very good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what's it about? Can you tell us? Well, it's about yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a documentary. So it's this this young woman that I uh, met after experiencing that racing, that m- yeah. mad, crazy, thrilling horse racing when we were over there. And they were all men. And I saw a couple of women. So I thought, God, it'd be really interesting to find out a bit more about the women. So I actually put a call out on Facebook to female racers, if you like. And this woman, this girl, in her early twenties, popped up. And I mean, she looks stunning as well. You know, mm. she has a real beautiful kind of indigenous mm. look. They're a beautiful couple, actually, aren't they? They are. God. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah, well, I shouldn't give that away. They're, I would say, let's say the couple was on the rocks a bit but, uh, yeah. at some point. But uh, <laughs> they, uh, be, yeah, so beautiful girls. And I um, went up to meet with her. And then all these, like, I just wanted to make a documentary about the horse racing and then just so much happened in her life. I filmed with her for about three years and just so many ups and downs and so, you know, quite a dramatic three years. So it's the story of her life over those three years and it's kind of, it's a very human story. She's an incredible person. It's really inspiring, I think. You know, there's mm. tough, mm. tough little bits in there, um, obviously. A lot of trauma and overcoming trauma. There's a bit of, yeah, there's that. Mm. By, you know, even if nothing had ever happened to her herself just because of where she lives and yeah. everything else, obviously. Um, but then but she the just of everything then as well. Exactly. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. But 
but she just never gives up like no matter what life throws at her she's you know it's like getting back up on the horse she just never gives up and I think she she did it because she wanted to tell her story to other young women who are struggling particularly Native American young women um will she become Ireland? she won't I listen we got completely screwed by COVID like the, okay. the film was finished a year ago and we had everything set up for her to come over then with COVID she couldn't now she's working two jobs and she can't get mm. out get away and we only literally found out two weeks ago when it was going out so it's just no but we went over and sh- well actually because of COVID I couldn't go over I was on Zoom but we hired a, a cinema in the biggest kind of town off the reservation because there isn't any cinema on the reservation and invited everyone from the two tribes Beautiful. and it was amazing mm. and I was able to kind of talk to them on Zoom and everyone got to see it and it was brilliant that's she was gas. proud as punch obviously up on the big screens yeah. you know that's great. might even get her on a Zoom James. I know I know maybe down the line you might connect us oh mm. god she'd love to yeah. she's a real chatter she'd yeah. love to talk yeah. to you yeah. that's great that's great so I watched yeah. this space but congratulations on the film thank yeah. you and yeah well look I, I hope you both get to see it and yeah definitely yeah. I think it's a an inspiring one but thanks and we link the your, we link some of your previous work in the description of the podcast and link to the tickets and the, the, the dates and short times for That'd the movie be brilliant and thanks for having me it was thanks for coming pleasure. And it's, I been, the it's podcast, been a pleasure so talking to you it's been great yeah. being here yeah. yeah thank you very much and we see everybody next week god bless